Hey everyone, thank you for listening to another episode of Everything in Me. It's your host, Sam, back with another episode. Thank you so much for listening, especially those who are tuning in via YouTube. If you don't already know, this podcast is actually a video as well too. You can check it out on YouTube. You'll check it out on everythinginme.com. And it's good to see everyone. It's good to have a face too, who's been talking behind the screen. I don't do these often, but I hope to do them often. Um, when I once I kind of get everything set up and more of a succinct kind of system. As of right now, it's kind of like fly by night, depending on the vibes. And as you can tell, I have my ring lights, you know, so you guys can see me a little bit better. <laughs> okay, we're more comfortable now. So in this episode, I wanted to talk about the good girl persona. So. That's something that I've adopted um, subconsciously, to be honest with you. I don't think I had the name for it, you know, growing up. It was just kind of a choice, a protective choice. So if I were to define a good girl persona, this would be someone who behaves in a moral, um, you know, calm, apprehensive, kind of comfortable way towards others. So that way their behavior doesn't contribute to setting off or causing negative um, attention. And that's something that I did and I have now come to understand as a form of protection. So how could I avoid being scolded at, being dealt with, being threatened, being you know harassed? I just made sure that I was very kind. I was very uh, predictable in my behavior and I really didn't stand out too much. Um, I didn't compete with other behaviors. And so if we kind of go back to childhood and and what that looked like, um, if you haven't already, check out my mother and I, you know, um, episode that's definitely give you kind of a a pre, you know, a more of an in depth um, picture as far as what I dealt with. My mom being the head honcho, head of household, if you will, for um, our home, it really was defined by her attitude of what was going to happen. And it's crazy because I would have instances where people would call the house. So back in the days, people would call your house, your house phone, and they would ask me like, Hey, this is so-and-so. How's your mom doing? What's her mood? And I would say, she's in a, she's in a rough mood right now. So they would say, okay, well, I'll call back later. Or I would say, she's in a great mood. She's fine. Okay, good. Let me talk to her. So it really was not only me, but others who are really gauging her, you know, interacting with her based off of her mood. And that's something that I didn't really understand at the time, like I said. And now that I've come to be older, I understand it's this idea of that energy traveling or transferring or imploding, if you will, um, because there's one additional, you know, uh, factor that may set off that experience. And that's not something that I ever wanted to do or intended on doing. That was always something that I could see other people doing. I learned very quickly how to avoid that. And that really um, led to my good girl persona where I just didn't want to cause any additional stress or interruption or issues. And it it, it was a very unique and um, intentional way of doing things. Now, Growing up, my brother was always a, a <laughs> he was always a match to my mom's fire, and he could light her up with no problem in the negative way. And that's never something that I wanted to do. That's always something I always try to shy away from. So my behavior really, really um, kind of like 
avoided all of that, um, having that kind of negative attention on you can be really challenging. It can be really scary because you don't know how it's going to end. You don't know how this person is going to take it. You don't know what the consequences might be. And I remember being terribly afraid of finding out. So I always made a conscious effort, like I said, to avoid that environment. Now that then led into like growing up in middle school and high school where there were my blinders or I didn't really have blinders to that kind of stuff. Like I was very keen on energy and the way people handle things and the way people like talk to me and in environments that seem very toxic or very like, um, you know, something I needed to run from. Like I was really good about that. Also, whenever there was something that was going on that could potentially go left and I may potentially have some involvement in it, I always removed myself. I always was like, eh, I'm not doing that. I don't got time to be in trouble. I don't got time to be hearing nobody's mouth about my behavior and going back home and dealing with that stuff. I was always the one who was bobbing and weaving because I'm like, listen, I am trying to survive. I am not trying to be here to create more issues or create more problems for me. And so that's something that I, I didn't take very lightly. I always managed to avoid having any issues. Um, it was good and bad, you know, um, as far as dealing with that, because there were some great times where I felt like it rewarded me, you know, have being a good girl and, and having that persona gave me awards. It gave me great GPA at certain points, you know, it gave me recognition, but the challenging part behind it all is that I wasn't myself. I'm a very dynamic, sometimes complicated individual and to maintain that good girl persona, it requires a very active, intentional, um, decision-making process and regulating my emotions, regulating my, um, behaviors in a way that is favorable to whatever environment I'm currently in. So that may be easier said than done because as you switch environments going from work or school or relationships or family, certain uh, behaviors don't read well in other environments. Um, and that's the challenging part because maybe you are in a museum and you are beyond like in love or obsessed with something, but you know, whatever environment you're around may feel like, oh no, I hate this. This is, this is annoying. This, I may adapt to that behavior or that environment to save myself from being singled out for being different for not agreeing, for not going with the flow. And so um, I, there were some times where there were friction because over time I started to, especially in my high school years, I started to rebel. And what I mean by rebel, I don't necessarily mean like I would cause issue for attention. It was more of like, no, I'm not going to do that anymore. No, I don't like that. I started to find my boundaries. I started to acknowledge my boundaries and I think what really allowed me to do that is because I remember this so vividly. I wanted independence really, really bad. That was one of my top priorities in high school. I wanted to move out really bad. I don't know, for those of you who grew up in toxic environments, it was for me, it's like, I'm trying to find my way out. Like every day I'm trying to find my way out. Whatever I have to do to find my way out, that's what I'm going to do. I got a job at 16. I was trying to be independent. I was trying to get out because I knew I didn't want to be in that environment. And so 
there were little moments here and there where I would just be like, yeah, no, that's not going to work. Um, an example of this, and it's actually something that my sister to this day brings up is that when I start first started driving, I never agreed with my mother's smoking and drinking habits. And, um, she would ask my siblings, you know, could they get her cigarettes? Could they buy her beer? And I never supported it. So as soon as I started driving and stuff like that, I never purchased those things on her behalf. I was one who was like, nope, you get it on your own. You get home before me. You know, you can, you can support your own habit. I'm not going to do that, you know? And she almost couldn't argue with me on it because that was like a, like a weird spot in our relationship or in general to say to your child, you have to get me my drugs (laughs) or my, my addiction. Um, and it's not necessarily said that, you know, other parents or other, you know, people wouldn't argue with you on those sort of things, especially if they feel, um, entitled, but she never really pushed me on it. She just found another person. I mean, to me, that's a true addict, you know, in order to regulate herself, she drank, you know, and still drinks to this day. Um, same thing with smoking. Um, I remember like things like, you know, getting in my car, she wasn't allowed to smoke in my car. I can't do secondhand smoke of any kind. Um, it, disrupts my allergies. It makes me feel really ill. It's not comfortable for me to be around that environment. And so I've stood up and I said, if you're going to ride in the car, you're going to have to smoke outside before you get in the car and after you get out the car, but we're not doing the smoking in the car while I'm in the car. That's absolutely not going to happen. Um, so little, little ways that I kind of push my independence, you know, into the room um, allowed me to have more freedom and flexibility. Um, I think what kind of took over for me as far as was like a big, big, like turning point, I guess you would say is that I realized very quickly, you know, when I got older that even though I held a job, I was in school, I was not pregnant. I was, you know, safe 99% of the time. I was very cautious. I never caused any disruption. I was working so that way I didn't have to ask her for a dime. I maintained my life on my own. It didn't necessarily equal me being saved from being cussed out or criticized or demean, you know, demoralized, or it didn't necessarily put me in this category where, you know what, kudos to you. Um, you know, you're a great example, et cetera, et cetera. That was like a big turning point for me where I was like, even though I give you this good girl, you still have something to say. I can't ever do anything completely right in your eyes that you can just lay off of me. Um, that really pushed me to want to move out along with another major, well, it was more from this major incident that occurred between my brother and I, a physical, you know, um, encounter that caused it. But, um, more or less, I think that this good girl persona took over me in ways that, you know, still linger to this day where the idea is I maintain my life in a respectable, honorable way. And, I want to distinguish between the two. So you have the idea of your values, your morals that kind of are your leading, you know, guidelines, you know, more or less. But the good girl persona is an additional add-on that usually is something that is um, more widely agreed upon. So coming home at a decent night, um, 
um, decent time of night, um, you know, waiting till marriage, even though they're religious, um, choices, you know, in that, but the idea of like behaving is more what I'm referring to. So I really made it a point to behave, to behave in school, to behave in private, you know, encounters, um, all to save the fact that I didn't get scolded or feel guilty or just doing the right thing. And the challenge with that is that I personally, at certain points had different, um, feelings about those things. Like you're a child, like in certain regards, like you're going to do dumb stuff. That's normal. That's, that's a part of it. I mean, there's limits to the dumb things, but for the most part, I pretty cautious where I didn't do drugs. Um, I didn't really drink early. I waited till 21. Um, I was, you know, always driving, you know, basically on the straight and narrow with everything, you know, I didn't really cause a scene, do anything ridiculously outlandish, but the idea that breaking free to be able to explore, to treat life as a playground was really hard for me because I became very serious about my future. One, because I was afraid of failing and having to deal with, you know, her crap again, or just being in that situation. But two, I felt like if I did things right, if I follow life's course, the way it's supposed to be, or societal expectations of where it's supposed to be, I would be married with kids and a degree and happy and with a house and all these sort of things. And so it was this, this concept that in order to gain all of the things that I wanted out of life, all my goals, I had to behave in a way that was acceptable, that was, you know, um, comfortable with other people. So one of the things is I worked in a predominantly white um, department and a whole other aspect, I was an administrative assistant. So just going into color and bringing color into the con- into the conversation, obviously acknowledging that they're predominantly white, but you have these superiors that are either white or maybe even Hispanic, but are on the fair side of things and can pass as white. Um, predicting your life, judging you, you know, identifying if you're good enough for the role, if you know what you're doing and you have this individual who is trying to make sure that she makes the right decisions to take care of her future because I don't come from a silver spoon. I don't have access to funds or finances. I don't have an extra house, you know, that I can just, you know, go home to. I don't have those luxuries. Um, and so a lot of it rides on me and me making the right decisions so I can protect my future. And you know, the pressure behind performing or almost whitewashing myself came in so many different directions. I think that's the key concept here. It's just coming from a a toxic environment, going into a a predominantly white, um, you know, workplace, then going into college with barely any context from other people or, um, almost like a reach back of like mentors and people in the space who could help guide me in this space, um, really, I feel furthered my idea of keeping it together, keeping the, me being acceptable, me being presentable, me being approachable together. If I couldn't do that, then the chances of me actually reaching my dreams and being able to be on a level playing field with my peers, um, and having some sort of future were slim to none. 
So I took this very seriously, um, which caused me to almost seem as extremely like hardened because I was fighting so hard to keep everything together. And it's crazy because I had an ex whose mom could not stand me to, for the life of me, could not stand me. Um, she always felt like I was no good for her son. And she would make comments and she would always make me feel like I was less than, and I wasn't going to amount to anything. Like I'm just up under her son and I, I had no future. I don't know life going when the plot twist was, it was her son who was not really hoping or looking to aspire to be anything. Now we were in high school. So, you know, we were still trying to figure out our lives, but you know, I always got that sense of her just being like, Oh, you are just going to mess his whole life up. I can just see this coming. So a couple years ago, I ran into her where she was um, actually at a laundromat. And, you know, it was very interesting because she still came at me in that same energy. And I'm like, ma'am, I am working on my master's. I've been at, you know, my own job as assistant director for eight plus years now. Like, can you not? Because I've seen your son and I've seen he ain't doing too well. He hasn't been doing too well. Matter of fact, he hasn't been doing too well since he left, since we were no longer together. So let's be honest. And even more recently, I've seen two mugshots of him. So let's not, you know, and she was educated. She was educated. She was an African-American woman who, you know, parents were from the South and made it a big point to be not only just smart, but just really, really punctual. Like she almost obstructed her culture because of the fact that she was adamant over, you know, being something in life. And she ended up marrying actually a white man and not to make this whole thing about race and that sort of stuff, but those are factors that do matter and the pressures that do matter behind that and the judgments that were around there that influence my behavior as well too. Um, I was always respectable and I was always, you know, courteous and to her and, and, and you had great manners. That's one thing I was raised with, whether I wanted to be raised like that or not. Um, and my good girl persona only further that where I was like, adamant about those pieces because I knew those were unique selling points that maintained this sort of behavior. And so that's something that I, I definitely, um, know I can give myself. So let's round this out with the good girl persona. Historically, that has been a method of coping, a method of surviving more than anything else. And that's definitely something that I will say I identify with, um, in going through therapy and trying to identify some of the things that may have held me back or caused me to not find joy in different moments in life. I question what is closed off on me that doesn't allow me to be able to embrace or enjoy or, um, you know, see those moments and those transformative moments as something precious. And so this concept of the good girl persona kind of came up in just the podcast that I listened to and listen to and books that I read and that sort of stuff and conversations that that persona was created to survive. And it's fitting because it's a form of protection. It's a form of 
let me present to you. It's a performative, you know, performance that basically perform every is perform everything. Um, but it's, it's an idea that if I behave in this way, I won't cause any more friction or issues. And if I act authentically, that means that I could potentially throw this whole thing. And it's not just only good girl. There's many different um, behaviors or personas that we adapt. And I, I highly, highly encourage you guys to explore um, different personas that we all adapt in order to survive. Because if you feel like you're not connecting with who you truly are, you need to know how you're behaving, how you're you're you know, you're acting. So that way you can be able to say, what do I need to fine tune? What do I need to let go of and unlearn? And that's been a major component to my growth, you know, um, moments these last couple of weeks of unlearning the good girl persona. And even with a good girl persona, it's not inviting my mess into your world. You know, that showed up in my, in my, my relationship where I'm hesitant to, not only, you know, put my mess, but also, um, the superhero complex. So I think a lot of independent people have this kind of behavior where we are holding every, every pit of like, um, you know, friction or inconsistency or mess or chaos or unpredictability and presenting to our environments, our communities, something that's put together, it's thoughtful, it's consistent, it is presentable. When the reality is there's a lot of behind the scenes kind of um, filtering that goes on in order to have the outcome that looks great to the audience. And that is a very taxing and exhausting experience. And that's something, again, I wasn't willing to continue to do. And it may seem like, you know, what are you even talking about? But the amount of energy that it takes to do that is wild. Like to be able to show up as I got my life together is, is a lot of work. You know, not to say that you just then say, okay, well, I'm not going to do my part. I'm not going to, you know, hold anything together. I'm just going to let everything be. No, what I'm saying is that when you're having a crappy day, you acknowledge you're having a crappy day. You know, when you are, you drop the ball, I drop the ball, you know, like you're more transparent about what factors are kind of contributing to, you know, your mood or your, your, you know, journey or your thought process in life versus kind of just thinking like, I have to be good all the time. And as I rework and unlearn certain, some of those behaviors, I realize how much I've held my breath in certain situations to seem like I'm the one who's going to get us through it. When a lot of the times I don't know what I'm doing. Um, that's not to say that, you know, I don't have anything to learn. And I think that's the big, biggest component is when you walk into a situation feeling like I know my, you know, my role, I know what I'm supposed to do here. You remove the opportunity for you to learn and to grow as a person and to have those imperfections that create the, the aesthetic, the unique originality of who you are. Instead, you don't invite those, you know, into the room. What you do is you basically like try to cover up all those flaws. And it's scary. It's like putting those filters over yourself to be able to project this kind of like snatch ways, 
flawless skin when the reality is it's not that 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 way like right now we are we are pmsing so we are breaking out everywhere honey the weird honestly is a lot going on you know and i think embracing that originality embracing the mess um is more connective and that's whole premise behind you know one of the layers that i've been peeling back with everything in me is being able to acknowledge like and almost like rethink this good girl persona of having my life together. Everything seems like it's working out. You know, I don't only post my wins. There are many losses, more losses than there are wins. I don't acknowledge how like I'm fearless and I can go through anything and feel great about it. No, I am sometimes shitting bricks and I'm not necessarily always putting on a brave face. I'm, you know, processing things emotionally in a more like, um, in a way that's healthier versus destructive. And so that's why I'm able to maintain myself, but that doesn't mean I don't have these breakdowns. And that doesn't mean that I don't still have the wins because of my effort, you know? And I think for those of us who are unfortunately still working on allowing some of those filters to exist, um, don't be upset. I don't think anyone should feel guilty for having filters for still, you know, trying to survive because it's a necessary skill in order to produce safety, comfortability, opportunity. And I don't think that we should just say like, okay, Sam, since you say that being a good girl doesn't always win, I'm just going to let go of that notion. I think that you should have a lot of conversations with yourself, with someone you trust that you feel safe with and exploring and understanding and learning who you truly are. And that makes me emotional because it's not like we sometimes do these things because we want to. It's because sometimes we feel like we have no choice. It is there to protect us. And that's a conversation that I had with my therapist of talking to the little Sam and saying, listen, there's no need, you know, I'm a woman now, I'm older now and you're safe and you're okay. And I don't need you to worry and I don't need you to rage and I don't need you to be upset and I don't need you to be, you know, concerned. I got it. I got it from now on. And, you know, we're in a better place and we're in a place of love and acceptance. And a lot of people don't get to say that, but for those of you who are still trying to find that place, one of the ways that I highly recommend you kind of do is find small outlets in which you get to explore and really use life like a playground, whether it be, um, I wish I had it with me. I don't have it with me, but, um, you know, having a moment where you get to do childlike things, reflecting on the times of your life where you did feel like you had freedom of expression. Um, you were able to just enjoy the, the small things you enjoyed times with yourself. You laughed really, really hard and find ways to start to experience those things. Now I will say, once you start making this change, please don't be warned. Be, or be warned that those people around you will say there's something different about you. And that difference can be seen as a threat. Some people will say, you're glowing. Wow, I'm so happy for you. Some people will say, what's changed about you? What's wrong with you? Why are you so happy? Why are you so in such a good mood? Now, that fear 
is because your behavior that you maintained has proven to them it's been more acceptable. They're more comfortable with it. Sometimes it's the independence, you know, that you or the codependency that exists within the relationship. And then you want to become independent, which threatens them, which puts fear in them. Anyone in your entire life, pastor, cousin, best friend, mother, dad, whomever, boss, that is threatened by your happiness doesn't deserve to be in your life. Anyone who is threatened, who becomes upset, who becomes bothered, who becomes irate, who becomes um, concerned in a negative way about your happiness does not belong in your life. And that may seem extremely hard to swallow, but what you have been doing for probably many years now is swallowing your happiness to allow them to be comfortable. And even if you're listening to this and it's stirring something up to you, that lets you know that it's time for a change. Now, this doesn't have to happen overnight. This doesn't have to be a big announcement to everybody on social media. This can be a put in play practice that you do on your own in different moments of your life. And one of the biggest things I recommend is you just, you, you know, you, you, you succumb to the universe and say, listen, I've been avoiding things to make other people comfortable. I've been hiding pieces of myself to make other people comfortable. You may not have a home yet. You may not have a safe space yet, but I guarantee you with all of the connectivity options of the world, there is a place that you can call home. The main space is you always, but there are other communities that love and enjoy those sort of things. And even just an example, maybe meetup.com. It's a place where different groups of different interests meet up and they talk about their interests, whatever it may be, Dungeons and Dragons, I don't care. There's somewhere, there's a message board, there's something out there that that one strand of you that you find joy and hope and, and light into is there to support you. And once I let go or start to let go of this good girl persona where I can be irregular, I was able to open up luckily enough and have conversations um, around the fact that I've been continuing to manage my emotions to save other people from what I feel like is a hot mess when that was kind of the, the, the biggest draw to them where they were like, I get it. Me too. I have my own mess. I mean, I clean it up. It looks great right now, but there are days that things don't get picked up. There are days that things just don't come together. You know, I always like to be presentable. And I think that certain cultures, um, really do shoot for having my shit together, having my life together as a survival tactic. So that way they are not deemed dirty, nasty, um, you know, incapable of managing their lives. You know, judgment doesn't come into play, questioning their mental health. It's a safety precaution. But the reality is no one is perfect. No one could possibly manage their life so seamlessly in a way that there's no issue. Um, you know, even if you live in a minimalistic world, there's still factors that are beyond your control that can impact your life. And I don't think that 
you should take that personally. I think you should take that with a grain of salt. And, you know, I'm a big firm believer. It's not what you go through is how you go through it. And since I've been able to come to understand some of the ways in which I've adapted certain behaviors to survive, I can be kinder and better to myself and say, let's mourn that side of you. And let's welcome in a side that you can be excited about, that you can get to learn a little bit more, you get to enjoy a little bit more and something you can love on in a different way, in a different level and just see life so differently. And so, you know, I, I am extremely, extremely excited and looking forward to this kind of new version as they blot, as I blossom. And I really do hope that, you know, the happier version of me consists, you know, stays with me and is okay with the mess. You know, I've definitely set out in, you know, years before to search and find more joy when joy comes within, which I understand that, but I didn't realize that shedding that adaptive behavior would equal, you know, more joy. And so I'm sharing that with you all. And I hope that, you know, helps you kind of guide yourself and navigate things a little bit differently and look at things a little bit differently and just know I'm rooting for you. Like, I want you to win. I want you to be happy. I want you to be fulfilled. I want you to be, you know, loved by you. You know, my, my calendar says I am worthy of my love. I love you doesn't necessarily have to be an external you. It can be an internal you. And that's great mirror work. Um, just recognizing yourself and and supporting yourself is a great start to peeling back some of those layers and letting go some of those filters that we all put on at certain parts of our life to survive. You know, I envy those people who walk into rooms as themselves and leave those rooms as themselves. That is a, such a beautiful self-expression because there's so many dynamics in which we can all kind of tweak and, and, you know, turn into our own or generate our own. And I never want to be a whitewashed, literally and figuratively version of myself in order to represent myself in those different arenas, especially with design, you know, and starting this new endeavor. It's been a major component where I just don't want to lose sight of my influence my loves because of the trends or because of, you know, my years of experience or lack thereof. And because of the doubts that may exist or the competition that may exist. And so there's many factors that threaten our sense of self, but we are the commander in chiefs of what we want to be and who we want to be. And it's a conscious decision to invite yourself in the room. And I hope that you invite yourself in every room that you walk into alone with people amongst community members, you know, whatever it it may be. And I thank you all for listening as always. I think that, you know, as I've matured and as I've learned myself more and gotten more comfortable in this space, I don't think I could do it without the messages that I receive from you all and, you know, just the encouragement and the connectivity that you feel through these different ways. And I, and I'm a visual person. I watch many different influencers on YouTube specifically 
religiously and they give me life, life. And so um, I'm going to try to incorporate this more. Let me know your thoughts, comment below, um, you know, text me as far as message me really on Instagram and everything in me, IG. I definitely want to hear more about your thoughts. And, you know, if you're interested in small groups, check out everythinginme.com and sign up where it says small groups. I would love to chat with you guys via Zoom or some sort of, you know, you know, video conferencing platform. So thank you so much for your time. And I look forward to chatting with you guys in my next episode. Maybe it's just an episode. Maybe it's a uh, video. Who knows? But thanks guys.